In a world where three pudgy middle school history teachers discuss random aspects of history. Well, that's... that's all I got. No, Hatfield, we got you. Yeah, I, Wait, who you calling pudgy? Yeah, man, that's kind of rude. No, I'm rude. It's the History Bros Podcast. <laughs> It's been two weeks, yes, two weeks, since you've last heard the Smart History Bros at Hatfield. But today, we return, triumphantly. Today, we explore the topic of Andrew Jackson, and what a jerk he may or may not have been. It's all coming up right here on the History Bros. Welcome in, boys. How you doing? Boys? Uh, what, seriously, did I offend you that bad? Happy New Year? <laughs> hey, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> I'm sorry, but after uh, after the pot shot that uh, certain Jason Hatfield took at the old Rudester. <laughs> Hey, Facebook. I'm just trying to help you sell your album, dude. That's it. I'm me. I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, who's this guy? Jeez. Yeah. I'm like, you know, trying to be a friend. I'm oh, me. Bad <laughs> friend. <laughs> I don't know. I get since I'm not the smart ones, so I just figured. You know. uh, you're very, very smart, but I had to take a pot shot when I could. So, um, how was everybody's holiday? Oh, friend. It's too short. That's true too. I gotta go back to school uh, today. Do what? I gotta go back to school today. Oh, today, today he's, he's doing the tape thing because it's taped. And Remember this? Oh, right. Monday. Okay. Well, what if someone listens to this on a Saturday? Well, that's gonna really throw him off. Way to yeah. go, rude. Yeah. Well, what if somebody listens I understand to it? What in, you're trying to do, but yeah, it's failing. And what if somebody listens to it in July? The same difference. Whatever. I know people be like, "What? What's he Where doing? am I? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, I don't understand how this technology works." So we're do co- I have the wrong day? Oh, oh goodness! My lord, you're crazy, little magical listening device. <laughs> I thought this was live. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're doing this. Li- <laughs> we do it live for all tens of. We're live <laughs> for the. Ten- I'll write it, and we'll do it live. I just honestly, I thought you were going to hop on and just go, um, what does it mean to play us out? I thought you would have done that, but no, you went full on. So I, so those of you who have not been hopping on and checking out our social media page of uh, history bros pod uh, on Facebook, uh, Twitter feed and grandma, gram space, uh, Insta space. Um, I, uh, I was just, you know, sitting around might've imbibed just a little bit. And, you know, I'm like, we haven't wished our listeners a happy, you know, new year. And especially considering the fact that we've been doing this for like, what, almost like a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
Right. And so I was like, so I wanted to throw out something on there, and I'm like, well, you know, it's I just don't want to go Happy New Year, everybody, yo, 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 yo. you know. So I was like, no, I gotta take a swing at somebody, <laughs> and um, yeah. so it's gonna be rude because we know Brian doesn't have a sense of humor. So we're right. like, okay, well, and I forgot to, at- I forgot to duck. I mean, unless I said something about Missouri, then I don't know if Brian would have really got no, it. I don't care. It's, um, um, so yeah, so then I, I put that out there. It's just uh. But anyway, it was, you know, wishing everybody uh, an opportunity, uh, you know, Happy New Year. And uh, here's Jason Rude playing a cutoff of his new album. <laughs> Anywhere else, they would call it a teeth brush. <laughs> Which is really funny. <laughs> For those of you that don't understand that joke, it's like, how do you know that the toothbrush was invented in Iowa? Because anywhere else, they'd have called it the teeth brush. <laughs> I think you're confusing Iowa and Missouri, but whatever. Okay, well, it's not true. It's all. It's the same state, really. I mean, it's <laughs> anything west of the Mississippi is just you know. It's kind of like it's just you know they, they call it flyover for a reason. Oh boy. Uh huh. I would tell you another joke about Iowa, but it's just too corny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, try that with North Carolina. I tell you a joke about North Carolina, but it's just too piggy. <laughs> well, we got pigs in Iowa, too, is the problem. Tobacco-y or something. I don't know. No, okay, so I... Hey, uh, whoa, whoa, stop. My, stop. Uh, stop, 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 stop. All I'm going to say is that Hatfield, get your licks out, do whatever you want. But Gelmacher, you better watch it because I'm going to see you in a week. I know. I'm going to be super nice to you today. I was going to say, I'm legitimately going to see him. Yeah. Eat- oh, yeah, aren't, you, aren't you getting some pig? Yep. He, he, no, no. He's getting dead pig. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a euphemism? No, nope. it's dead. Okay. You eat it. Legitimate. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, good. How much pig are you getting? Uh, I think I'm taking home between like 80 and 90 pounds. Yeah, you're taking half a dead pig home. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. No, nah, so I mean, you, so have going to be like in a cardboard box, or is it going to be like, you know? <laughs> well, so you know how we've talked about my father-in-law and and being in the, the 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 pork industry. It's been a minute, but we have yes. It has been yeah. It's it's been a while, but we have yes. Uh, very. What good. pig farming is to Jason Rude, Missouri is to um, <laughs> so go ahead. So anyway. Uh, We've been talking about on, on the podcast about my well, Brian said he wanted to try some of that good old fashioned Iowa good genetic well raised pig, and so he's gonna get some good old fashioned Iowa pig. I'm not sure why you included the word genetic. I know that seems like all of a sudden you've become Monsanto or something. <laughs> hey, Monsanto's an Iowa company, or it was a big deal in Iowa. Oh, look. It's the deep state. We're getting into it now. We're getting into it. How many swastika shaped <laughs> You know, airports do you have there? Monsanto's world headquarters before they were purchased by Bayer was was here in St. Louis. Well, anyway, Monsanto's <laughs> a big deal in Iowa. There's there's so, Monsanto producing facilities all over the state. Anyway, the point is he's getting some pig, and I said good genetic pig because my father in law raises pigs using good genetic lines, and that's what makes him good pig. There you go. Okay, so let me tell you uh, a little. Uh, st- let me spin you a yarn. Um, so okay, I used to work at a uh, a coastal resort in Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina, 
And they were there was they would frequently have weddings there because it's on the beach. And um, it's kind of nice. Uh, a little dodgy with some of their promotions, like they did some upgrades to uh, some of their rooms where they said that their bathrooms had uh, a view of the ocean, which I don't know why that would have been important. But um, having worked there for a number of years, I'm like, okay, if you're looking at a square, like if you're looking at a diagram of a room and the bottom part of the square faces the ocean, the bathrooms are in the top two corners of the square. So it's like, well, how could they have done that? And then you look at the pictures, and it's because they cut a hole in the wall and put a window in it so you can see through the room to oh the boy. window. Oh, boy. First of all, who needs to have a window in your room looking into the bathroom? Put your hand out, Jason. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so a little kind of weird in that capacity. So anyway, so... They were having a, one of the weddings. They were going to have a pig picking. I guess <laughs> I don't know if they call that that out in you know your neck of the woods, but you know no. like a little barbecue kind of things, pig picking. Especially if it's if it's involving a pig, we call it a pork Otherwise, roast or a pork like a a, a a pig roast. Okay, all right. Um, but uh, so I had to drive out to this place to pick up the pig. And I got out there. Um, I had to. And he, one of the owners said, "Here, just go ahead and take my truck." So I'm like, "Okay." So um, it's not like in a station wagon or you know SUV. It was a truck because it's a you know, flatbed truck. Not flatbed truck, but just you know open and back. And so I drove out to this place, and the the pig wasn't ready yet. They said it was. They told us it wouldn't. It wasn't supposed to be ready till this certain time. And I'm like, "Well, I don't know what to tell you. They just sent me out here to pick it up." So they said, okay, well, then just kind of hang out and we'll, you know, we'll get it done. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm not having to, you know, work the front desk of this hotel. So I'm just going to hang out here. Bonus. And you kind of wish that sometimes you were either an undercover cop or if there was some kind of like, you wish that you had another identity so that something that would happen at that, like you would stop a crime or, you know, you know, jujitsu and you save somebody being mugged. Something along those lines. No, um, they had this big, wide-open kind of pass-through window where you could see them prepping some of the meats in the back. Mm. And they had, um, I guess it was half a pig on top of a closed gray trash can, and they were hacking the hooves off this thing. And I'm sitting there thinking... All this pristine cutting space that they've got, you know, nothing on it at all. And they're hacking this thing on the top of one of those big gray plastic trash cans that the lid's on. Well, you don't want to mess up your workspace for the good meat. Right. And I'm sitting, well, I'm sitting there going, uh, well, this is North Carolina. People eat pig's feet. I don't, I don't understand why. <laughs> you don't, you got, they you, do. you got to scrape the crap off them first. Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> This guy, but I just kind of wish, you know, is that I'm watching this guy do it. There's not a lot of people in this little store. I mean, it's like it's considered to be like a grocery, but there was literally one table that had produce that were that was not from an animal on it. I mean, that was like your onions and bananas and stuff. The rest of it was just wall to wall, like you know, um, is it called a souse? Is that what it is? Is that the all the 
the pieces thrown in together mm. um, into a brick. I think is what it's. It's. I don't. I don't understand Yum. what that's. Yeah, I know. It's. It, it, if you read the ingredients, it sounds a lot better than my description of it. <laughs> um, but um, so I'm sitting there. I'm like, I wish that I was with the FDA or something. I wish I was like a you know inspector because I have a feeling that this dude is like totally breaking a number of rules at this particular point. But and I'm like, oh, and not to mention that this is where I'm getting the pig for this wedding. So um. The guy finally comes around and he says, "Hey, um, he says we can't. We're all, we ain't gonna give you no pans because you guys ain't given us the pans from the last ones." And I'm like, I, "I'm sorry. What is? What do you mean?" And he's like, "Well, yeah. yeah you, so, how are you gonna transfer it back?" I said, "What? I mean, I've got a truck." He says, "Well, you ain't got no pan to put it in." I'm like, "Are you suggesting that I just lay it on the back seat? What are you asking me to do?" <laughs> And he pulls out a cardboard, like a the lid of some sort of cardboard box. Oh dear God! And puts um, puts like some strips of um, uh, aluminum foil squares in there. Places the pig in it. By now, it, the the cardboard's already getting soaked from the juices. Oh, oh, that's a good pig. And well, yeah, and it's going to be a dry pig by the time I take this thing like a what an hour back to the hotel. Oh, oh no, So they put it in the back of the truck. So the open air and I'm going to have to go down 40 to take this thing back. So this pig oh, is going to be sitting out while I'm driving down the highway. And so they take some more of those little aluminum foil things and they place them on top. And I'm thinking, what is that going to do? As soon as I get up to 15 miles an hour, this stuff's going to come flying out of the back of my car. Or not my car. It's just, you know, the owner's truck. <laughs> so he grabs this huge plastic jar of uh, barbecue sauce and just lays it on top of it. Like emptied it on top of it? As you do. As you do. You mean right, like, yeah. like he emptied it out on top of it? No, no, no. He just places the entire like plastic thing on top mm. of the uh, aluminum foil sheets on this pig, which is now like it's almost like the juices are starting to kind of fill in the little kind of um, Cor- what, what do you call them in the back of the truck, you know, for the like the water oh, runoff and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, sorry. I mean, I've lived in North Carolina for how many years and I don't know what truck terminology it is, but, um, (laughs) so I wind up having to drive back. It was about an hour down 40 with this pig, you know, just open, you know, it's not like it's, and then, I mean, we're talking pieces of aluminum foil are flying off this thing all over the road. And it's like, it's the most redneck thing I think I've probably ever done. (laughs) <laughs> and, oh, come on. Um, and i'm just sitting here thinking you know this can't be this can't be sanitary i mean i don't know i mean i just oh, i have a feeling God. that um well you know god made dirt and dirt don't hurt you know or something so we um <laughs> well so see. i make it back to the to the hotel and um they uh by this point the 
the cardboard box is just disintegrated. It's just so like, just, I mean, imagine a cardboard box, not even like, you know, those nice waxed coated ones that are like built for this kind of stuff. It was like the modern day equivalent of like, you know, an Amazon shipping box, you know, (laughs) and no offense to Amazon. You guys have great service, Um, but pay, maybe pay some more taxes. No, but, um, And so I get there. I mean, there's juice all over the inside of the bed of this truck. Oh, gross. Just serve and, it out of the bed of the truck. This is not a problem. Well, I, someone's <laughs> going to be eating this That's at my a point. wedding for crying That's out loud. That's my point. Back to, like, if this is what they wanted, they'd probably like trucks. They probably would think it'd be a nice touch. Back the truck up and serve it off the bed of the truck. That's not a terrible idea, actually. Well, I mean, there's a point. <laughs> they may have done that. By that point, it was time for me to clock out, and I'm like, this is no longer my problem. I am the, you know, I, I just run the pig. That's all I do. <laughs> but, um, so, right. yeah. I, um, just the hired help. That's it. Yeah, I'm just I'm just the help. Um, so, yeah, so that's uh, <laughs> that was my, uh, my one uh, pig picking. Sorry, I, I don't want to say the name of this particular hotel, but um, bad, <laughs> and they thank you for bad that. experience or what? <laughs> well, I mean, I I worked there for a couple for a number of years, and it was kind of nice to kind of you know work out on the beach, except you know your peak season uh, during the summer where you had a bunch of people coming in, and it was the the it was just the the the, the summer you know tourism industry is just is horrible it was just horrible people are just so rude and everyone's angry even though they're supposed to be on vacation and it's like you know yeah so it's just uh southerners hey no actually the people that were coming out to the beach were all like snowbirds so Mm. you know don't you know, don't talk. You, know, you have you people that. coming in. I'll give you oh, that. We had one one lady one uh, lady come up to the front, and she was furious, and she was screaming. And I'm like, what? And, and I'm like, ma'am. I said, what? She says, I'm paying. And this by this point, it's even the off season. She says, I'm paying a hundred dollars a night, and my kid can't even swim in the pool. And I'm like, um, well, the pool's open. It's a heated pool. And she says, well, there's glass in the pool. I said, wait, there's glass in the pool? She said, I'm paying. And she's screaming. And finally, I said, ma'am. And I just turned away and walked. Just walked away. I said, it's going to be less time for me to walk back to the spa and find out what happened than talk to this lady that's screaming at me. Long story short, too late. um, Her son had pulled out one of the, um, I guess, the ceramic tiles of the pool and threw it at the hotel shattered one of the windows which spider webbed and a piece in the center fell into the pool and she was wanting a discount in her rate because there was glass in the pool and therefore her son could not swim in the pool and she's paying a hundred dollars a night you mean there's glass in the pool that her son caused to be there Oh well, see now you're trying to be now you're now you're redirecting now you're just redirecting gosh so that's what it, that's kind of like a glimpse of what it's like to work in the hotel industry. It's like, ma'am, do you do? And they gave her, a, and she screamed and you know yelled loud enough that they gave her a discount. Uh, I'm like, oh, do I get to come in and break stuff and get money deducted off of my bill? Is that how this works? Sure. So anyway, um, modern day. Let's talk. 
Um, I was um had a you know nice um I guess you could say yeah, it was it was a nice holiday. I went and spent it with my mom. Um nice. my mom is in the process of um uh moving. Uh she had uh she's uh she's selling her house and so I was having to go and um not having to go, I mean it's family for crying out loud. Um, but went in and was helping her pack up. But um, they uh, some of the Christmas presents that I got, um, one from one of my in-laws, is a book called The Drunken Botanist. And there was a little story uh, about a research method that I was not aware of. But, you know, since this is an educational show, I thought I would share a little something. Okay. Um, the first chapter talks about agave, which, of course, is, you know, uh, the plant used for making tequila. Mm -hmm. um, but it was also used uh, to make, uh, I think it's called pulque, which is um, sort of like um, a mild fermented beverage that this is like pre-Columbian. Okay. And... Um, these now this is from the book and it's from uh, it's called the drunken botanist by amy stewart it says the strangest bit of evidence for pulque's ancient origins comes from a botanist named eric callan who in the 1950s pioneered coprolite analysis or the study of human feces found at archaeological mm. sites he was ridiculed by his colleagues for his bizarre specialty, but he did make some astonishing finds concerning the diet of ancient people. He claimed that he could confirm the presence of magwe beer, or this pulque, in 2,000-year-old feces just from the odor of the rehydrated samples in his laboratory, which is either a testament to his sensitive nose or to the powerful bouquet of very old pulque. Oof. I had no idea that that was even a thing. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> what do you think this person ate? Well, why don't you pour some water on this and let's take a sniff. So, um, I mean, you don't see that on CSI. No, you don't. You know, you, probably for good reason. Right. Oh, we found this dead guy. Well, here's some of his poo. <laughs> well, let's spritz it down with this water, then, <laughs> dun, dun, you know, and then it's the <laughs> beginning of it. And yeah, 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 I got it. <laughs> That's so bad. I, gotta, I don't know. I, I, I don't really watch that show, but I just know hmm. that's the thing. I got to say, I was about to really give you give you guys a bunch of crap because we are now 22 minutes into this and have yet to talk about Andrew Jackson. But yeah. it was worth it to hear you talk about spritzing. Well, I haven't, I haven't had. To, well, I figure, you know, I want to share, and we haven't talked to each other in a couple of weeks, so. Um, That's true. That's true. And um, you know, the more you know. Da, 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 da. Oh. <laughs> How did that? So wait, did... we were we were thinking we had done some shows, uh, a couple shows in the past, where we were talking about hero or villain, and. Um, I was watching, um, of course, I'm in my nerdathon, finally made it through the uh, Mexican-American War, and I was watching, um, I don't know if you guys ever finished watch or watched the um, um, uh, Men Who Built America, Frontiersmen. Yes. On the History Channel. Well, um, so finishing that up, and, you know, they were referencing, you know, Andrew Jackson and stuff like that, and some of the people that they were, that were being interviewed 
you know, we're giving like how Andrew Jackson can be perceived as a villain or perceived as a hero. And I immediately sent out, you know, a message to you guys thinking, hey, this might be an interesting thing for us to talk about. Mm hmm. And if I'm correct, uh, Geldmacher was already like, well, you know, he's a, he's a, I think you're pretty set in your, uh, <laughs> I'm no your... fan of Andrew Jackson. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So, well, let's, let's get into this conversation. Why are you not a fan of Andrew Jackson? Um, I, I guess I've never, just because North Carolina been... claims him as one of our presidents, you know, well, take I mean, that's, that's, that's not, you know, number one. Um, oh. No, it, it, I guess it kind of stems from, uh, I, I guess it was uh, like the early to mid-90s, and I went with some friends to out to Colorado, and we spent some time in the, uh, the southwest corner of Colorado, and um, I got to experience... Uh, the Four some, Corners area, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Cortez, mm. you know, in that area. And uh, got to spend a little bit of time um, experiencing, experiencing some like Native American culture and some dances. And, um, we were actually at the, oh, I'm going to butcher the name. I don't remember it. It's the Ute mm-hmm. something cultural center. Um, and met this gentleman who was, I mean, old as the hills. I couldn't even begin to tell you how old he was, but... Um, he started talking about the, you know, the treatment of his people by the government and, you know, you're on, in a time of... And this guy was a Ute, Indian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so we get home and, you know, we're, you know, 18 and full of, you know, whatever and, and, and uh, really kind of got into it and kind of uh, several of us got a letter together to, you know, get signatures to Congress to kind of ease restrictions on natives and, you know, kind of, you know, do the whole... Um, you know, letter writing campaign to to Congress, and uh, you know, you start to look into it, and you start to find out the the reasons that the natives were in the situation they're in, and it kind of stems from, um, I mean, it stems from the Proclamation of 1763 and the and the Revolutionary War and all that, but the movement of natives off their native lands um, really kicks into high gear with Andrew Jackson, so that's going back that far is one of the reasons I'm not a huge fan of Andrew Jackson. So. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Rude. What about you? Um, I haven't done a lot of research on him, um, but I will say this much. Um, I think Andrew Jackson is a great bit of evidence of how um, very, really good, combat and war leaders don't necessarily Mm. make really good presidents. Mm. And my reasoning behind that is we know dang well that he was uh, a daring um, and, and a very effective leader in war. Uh, You know, I think there's a song about him down in new Orleans. Um, But you know, he liked to do a lot of things by executive order. He liked to say, this is what I want, so this is how it's going to be, you know, and I don't care what Congress has to say. Well, that's not how the Constitution works. Um, right. and, and so, you know, you can be a great leader. You can have a lot of good ideas, but the, the rules say that you don't, uh, you know. I mean, <clears throat> by the time that we, he got, we got to the end of his presidency, they were calling him King Jackson. 
um, because he was he was basically just doing executive order after executive order after executive order. Um, and, and again, that's that's not how things are supposed to be done. It's supposed to go through Congress. There's a process that's slow intentionally so that we don't rush into things that are bad ideas um, and we don't have one person rushing us into a bad idea. Um, so, I mean, and I'm not saying all of his ideas are bad, but, you know, uh, what I am saying is he may not have been all that he thought it was cracked up to be. Well, I think it's also important to note that um, another reason for King Jackson was his Thriller album was right. also an, an right. amazing, um, you know, <laughs> I you know, it's a Thriller. It's, you know, Billie Jean beat it. I mean, there's a whole bunch of great things about that one. It's, it's a different guy. Oh, what, who are we talking about? Who are we talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, sorry. No, that's that's somebody else entirely. Sorry. Right. No. Yeah. yeah it's now, okay. Well, first of all, um, when you say the proclamation of 1763, Brian, when you were talking about him, um, yeah. and Jason, I want to address some of the things that you said as well. Um, the 1763 was actually intended to protect. Yeah, yeah. The and, and I and I partnered the proclamation with the American Revolution be, oh. being something that helped and then obviously kind of i mean you could argue the american revolution obviously uh canceled the proclamation of 1763 so mm. it was it was a uh, me just basically saying this and then this happened so well we also and kind of like what we did when we talked about uh columbus we do need to take uh into consideration context of the time sure um so um i think he is probably best known from uh well maybe not best known but um more infamously known as uh, Geldmacher's putting it with um the Indian Removal Act mm -hmm. in which um it was kind of like okay we've gotten all this territory uh, but now all these pesky native americans are on them and we need to kind of you know get them off their land so um you know they passed they you know were passing it now the thing about the Cherokee uh, the Cherokee tried to assimilate in a lot of ways, and I admire the Cherokee for this because it's kind of like they're taking they they're trying to maintain their identity, but they're also realizing that in order to defend themselves, they need to understand who their adversaries are, um, and so they try to learn like the the legal system that kind of stuff, and they actually fought against the Indian Removal Act and then won. Um, but then as Rude put it, um, you know, the Andrew Jackson, you know, essentially, I mean, he, he didn't say this word for word, but of course it's, it's kind of knowing that, um, uh, Andrew Jackson, you know, had basically said, John Marshall has made his decision. Now let him enforce it. Right. Um, so it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, this is the, yeah, the, the Supreme Court has spoken, but okay, what do you what's it what are they gonna do about it? It's just a you know, a few guys <laughs> sitting downstairs in the Capitol building. You know, what are you gonna do? Um so you know, the fact that he sort of did turn a blind eye to uh the con the how the constitution works and push through. But the thing is is that he was very, very popular in his day because he was doing what the American people at that time wanted. Um, you know, people, when they found gold in Georgia, you know, that's where a good chunk of the Cherokee nation was. And it wasn't just the Cherokee that were removed. There were other uh, Indian nations that were removed. Um, 
but you know they found gold and white people wanted that gold so they're like okay well let's give these white people that gold and let's push these native americans off that land so that they can have access to it right and that um that's the thing though like you said he's popular in his time because he gave the american people what they wanted but that's the thing giving the american people what they want and doing what is best for everybody involved isn't necessarily the right thing to do for the, you know, I mean, giving the American people what they want isn't necessarily the right thing to do for the country. Secondly, which American people are, is, are we talking about? You know what I mean? Right. You know, yeah. that, that there's a whole bunch of native American people that, that I, you know, and, and you're, you're, you're making the argument as well. Half. I'm not saying you're not, you know, I'm not. No, I, I actually enjoy playing devil's advocate and we're going to get into that in just a minute, but go ahead. But I mean, that's the thing is which American people are benefiting from these decisions the, you know, it's not just, um, uh, you know, what rich whitey, so to speak, that, uh, it lives in the country. That's who's benefiting from this. Um, the native American population is not benefiting from this. And clearly, uh, the slave population, the enslaved population was getting no benefit out of anything that Jackson was doing either. So who, who's he representing? Well, again, you got to think, I mean, at this particular time, who he's representing is, you know, the people who will obviously are voting for him um, at this particular point. I'm not entirely certain that Native Americans were voting for the president of the United States at that particular point. But um, the issue with the in, uh, Indian Removal Act was that um, the Supreme Court had ruled that because the Native Americans had made treaties with the United States, that therefore they were an independent sovereign nation and therefore the United States could not tell them what to do. Well, let's go back here. Let's go back. So you said those he's representing those that are voting for him. But let's remember the deck was stacked against anybody that was not rich and white at that time. Those were the people that could vote. Well. Okay, but if we really want to talk about who he's representing, let's take it back to find out why he was so popular to begin with. Because it's not all of a sudden that just happened in a vacuum and then all of a sudden, poof, you know, the good spirit of the forest waved a magic wand and Andrew Jackson appeared. No, it wasn't anything like that. (laughs) So so, um, uh, Andrew Jackson... um, in another one of my hometowns in Camden, South Carolina, he was taken prisoner by the British uh, during the revolution and was a, you know, he was prisoner of war. He was, uh, he was beaten pretty bad by the British. So the British were, um, he wasn't exactly fond of them. Um, He was known as kind of like, he's a rough and tumble type of guy. And I think there was a situation where he was involved in a, a bar fight and got shot. He was involved in some sort of, event and he got shot and you know and i think he actually carried the bullet in his body for like i think the rest of his life i'll need to double check that but well he I, was he, he was a tough guy he well, was a tough guy he there was a guy who tried to assassinate him outside the white house and he beat him with a cane um he was cool. uh, i don't know if he was he was on a i'm wanting to say he was on a, a boat maybe and they try and a guy tried to shoot him twice and both of the guns failed and oh, then wow. I think, yeah, then Andrew Jackson, I think, proceeded to uh, to uh, mop up, I guess, in that particular case. But um, uh, so there were some instances where <clears throat> and I think that's, you know, I I hate to be throwing out stuff. I'll have to double check and make sure. But um, so, 
uh, Andrew Jackson comes to prominence basically in the War of 1812. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a thing called the Fort Mims Massacre. Um, <clears throat> Native Americans that um, had fought uh, the the <clears throat> these wars with England and even the you know the French and Indian War would sometimes take their toll on Native American tribes. And so um, this sort of, you know, split with the, uh, the British, uh, again, you know, well, we're, by this point we're the United States, but we have, uh, it creates basically a civil war among the Creek Nation. And mm-hmm. there's a group that decide to basically side more or less with the British, and they become known as the Red Sticks. And they go and attack this Fort Mims, and um, there's about, um, I think there's about a thousand people in the fort, I think. Um, and they kill everybody in the fort. Men, women, children, they kill everybody. Hmm. And so Andrew Jackson is basically tasked with, you know, kind of taking them to task for it. And so they hunt around and around this time, Davy Crockett is also sort of involved. Um, and then there's the Battle of Tallusahatchee, where 186 warriors were killed, um, even though um, I don't know if Jackson was there, but it, his he was in command of the force that went in and did that. Uh, Davy Crockett, it was so horrible. Davy Crockett actually said it was like we shot them like dogs. Hmm. And he was actually and Davy Crockett and Andrew Jackson would wind up kind of being opposed to each other until uh, Crockett obviously dies and um the Alamo. But um, Richard K. Call writes about this battle years later, and he says, the next morning after our march, we entered the Indian village, and here I first saw the carnage of the battlefield. I saw it in its worst aspect when the hour of danger had passed, when I could excite no feeling or passion in my breast to control my sympathy and sorrow for human suffering. It was to me a horrible and revolting scene. The battle had ended in the village, the warriors fighting in uh, their board houses which gave little protection against the rifle bullets or musket ball. They fought in the midst of their wives and children who frequently shared their bloody fate. They fought bravely to the last, none asking or receiving quarter, nor did resistance cease until the last warrior had fallen. Humanity might well have wept over the gory scene before us. We found as many as eight or ten dead bodies in a single cabin. Uh, sometimes the dead mother clasped the head, the dead child to her breast and to add another appalling horror to the bloody catalog. Some of the cabins had taken fire and half consumed human bodies were seen amidst the smoking ruins. Um, now that seems very bad. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with but, that. But you're also thinking, well, Fort Mims Massacre, same thing happened from the same, arguably the same people. So, you know, you're thinking eye for an eye during this time period. So you have people that are afraid. You know, a lot of people on the frontier were afraid of Indian uprisings and, you know, uh, Native Americans coming and, you know, lashing out, killing people on the frontier. And now you have somebody who is considered to be more or less an Indian fighter. And this is going to make a lot of these people feel a little safer now what happens is is after i think it's the battle of horseshoe bend where um the creek war ends um the creek signed the treaty of fort jackson and 
Jackson actually takes land away from both the Creeks that they were fighting against and the Creeks that fought with him. Hmm. Um, they ceded about 23 million acres in this treaty um, of land in Alabama, Georgia, to the United States government. Um, and then, of course, um, War of 1812, um, you have, well, then from there, if I'm correct, he winds up needing, since he's kind of the only one in that area, he's sent to defend New Orleans. And from where they were fighting in the Creek War to get to New Orleans, I mean, the area surrounding New Orleans is not incredibly hospitable. A lot of swampland, and to try and move men and materials through that kind where you don't have, you know, presumably a lot of roads to take, mm -hmm. that takes a lot of leadership to do. And Jackson was able to do that. Well, I don't think anybody's um, doubting his leadership ability. Well, I'm just trying to say he's, um, this is why, you know, people supported him. And a lot of the actions that he takes people during this time, the 18, you know, 1820s, 1830s, when he's, you know, president and he's pushing through this Indian Removal Act, people agreed with it. And maybe there were some I, I would imagine there were some people that obviously did not agree with it as well. I think there were some um, arguments where they were saying, I don't understand. You know, we're asking, you know, we're going to push these Native Americans off. We've lied to them time and time and time again, but we're going to go, hey, you know, forget about all those other lies that we've told. This is one you can actually believe right. that we will protect you when you go over there. Well, um, go ahead. So, I mean, basically what we're doing here is we're, we're, we're making the, the man of his time argument, you know, and that um, he didn't well, know. You have to. Well, I, and I get that, but like, you know, so he didn't know any better. It's what they did. Um, and we're judging him based on today's standards. You know, there's some truth in that. But the fact mm -hmm. of the matter is when we look at where the country stands today, what he did does not match with what, well, I'm not going to say that because it's a little crazy in our country right now. But when you look at the direction that things have gone in our country and in particular with interpretations of the Constitution saying all men are created equal, he he did not live up to that, I don't think. Um, well... And maybe, yeah, okay. and well, maybe, maybe me, it's the people that you maybe, you know, here, that's the thing is maybe the people of that time are just as guilty as he is of not living up to what the constitution tries to give. Well, again, I mean, if we're talking about, I mean, you, you have to think that this is before Dred Scott, where the Supreme court, where the U S government will also rule that slaves are not people, they're property. Right. So to, to put to shoulder the entire blame on Andrew Jackson for basically trying to push through what the American people, I think, for the most part, were wanting, um, you know, during that time. I mean, there's that book that, you know, we looked at when we were at um, Colonial Williamsburg, you know, captured by the Indians. And it's right. a bunch of first person accounts. Some of those accounts are horrible mm -hmm. what the native the native americans in one instance kidnapped somebody and they tied him, they tethered him to a tree and laid a whole bunch of sticks around the tree 
And then they just loaded, they stripped the guy down naked and they loaded their guns just with black powder and shot it at his naked body. Right. Right. Um, which, you know, it's kind of like having really hot sand thrown at you at like, you know, however many kilometers a second, you know, and, you know, it's, it's painful. It was torture. And then they, um, I think one of the stories, they actually slit the guy open and tacked his intestines to a tree and forced him to walk around. When he passed out, they put a hot iron to his scalp and basically revived him to continue doing it. Now, was that the actions of all Native Americans? No. But I but mean, it, th- this is it, this is a whataboutism. That's all. That's what we're doing right now. Is it a whataboutism? Because it's. I think it's it's important to understand that people during that time were terrified of Native Americans. I mean, it's it's. Again, it's that concept of blowback. These people aren't understanding that the Native Americans are reacting to their encroachment on their land by being, in some cases, very violent in response. And so the white people become very fearful of these, quote unquote, savages and want to try and um, run them off, you know. Well, not run them off, but, you know, punish or kill them all so that they're I mean, if you think about it in today's society, you know, um, you know, post 9-11, you have the same kind of attitude uh, by certain demographics about Muslims in this country. Exactly. They're all they all fit into this category. Right. Which is not true. And it's not it wasn't true then, you know, about the Native Americans. So I, think, so I don't think it's a whataboutism. I think it, it helps to understand kind of where the mindset of uh, some Americans, especially those on the frontier, were at that time. Well, it, no, I know. But in those, in their time, it would be a whataboutism because they're saying, you know, if if we were to have the argument with the person at that time, and we'd say, mm-hmm. how can you do that? They Well, what about what they did to us? That's exactly right. what they would say to us. So, I mean, that, that I guess that's more where I'm talking about. Um, here's my thing. Uh, you're probably right that Jackson is not to blame for what doing the, the quote-unquote will of the people. I think it's more an indictment on the people. Uh, that, is, that is a very valid argument to be made, I think. Right. Okay. But when you get to um, what really kind of propels him to – he's considered to be the second George Washington in which he – you know, George Washington helps win independence for America and Andrew Jackson basically defends because the war of 1812, which I absolutely hate it is. I just hate that war <laughs> so bad because it is such a stupid war to have been fought over ridiculousness. But, you know, the, the British weren't exactly treating us with a great deal of respect. And so it was, you know, it was bound to happen, I guess. Right. But um, when Jackson sure. finally makes it to um, New Orleans and my wife, uh, I love her. She's such a sport. She actually was wanting to go to the Chalmette battlefield um, to see where this uh, battle took place, um, which, uh, you know, isn't I don't it's it's basically a big field that they set up some cannon in. But <laughs> the thing is, is that where the British were coming, they had to cross a basically wide open field. And it was like a turkey shoot, essentially, um, because uh, the Americans had cover. They had cannon. And by the time the battle was over, 
I think it was about there were over 50, maybe 60 some odd Americans dead, uh, wounded or captured. Um, the British sustained 2000 dead, wounded or captured. So it was an incredibly lopsided victory. Of course, by the time this battle took place, there was already a peace treaty happening that mm-hmm. we didn't even know that nobody knew about over here. Right. So all these people died for basically no reason. Um, but this was a huge victory for, um, and this isn't J- Andrew Jackson's not the first person. I mean, George Washington, because of his military uh, prowess, is he's the person that needs to be. He's, the, I mean, he's the first president, and he's promoted to that because of his military ability or perceived military ability. I mean, Jamonville notwithstanding, <laughs> and. Um, but uh, and so, you know, Jackson's the same way. Lots of presidents, um, uh, Harrison, uh, a lot of these will be promoted or, uh, you know, to the to the presidency, you know, for being distinguished military leaders. Now, are they as good of statesmen as they are, you know, military leaders? Well, in some cases, yes. And I think we could probably say that in Jackson's case, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Jackson, again, trying to probably do the will of the people of that time. So maybe that's considered a good leader. But, Mm. you know, in 2020, looking back, 2021, uh, (laughs) 2021, looking back, no. I mean, the way that the Native Americans were treated is absolutely despicable. But, um we were treating pretty much anybody that was non-white in that capacity at that time. Right. And that, that's, that's the whole thing is, is nobody in Jackson's time. I shouldn't say nobody. Obviously Jackson gets elected and reelected. So there's plenty Mm -hmm. of support for him in his time. And that's great. But that doesn't mean that he, I mean, and that's the same thing with, with Columbus, you know, the people in power were supporting him as well. Obviously, uh, the people that supported his trip, um, you know, supported him and what he was doing. Uh, but right. at the end of the day, we look back and say hero or villain on, on any of these people that we're talking about. And we look at the, you, you know, we look at the aftermath. And a lot of times you can't judge. And we've always said we won't know how good any president is until years later. And when we see the aftermath of the policies that they've created and you, you see presidents that uh, uh, whose stature improve or decrease based on the policies, how the policies play out and or how the country reacts later on. And I think what we've seen with Jackson is that, yeah, sure. In the time the people wanted this because there was no care for anybody other than, I mean, it, it, it out and out. Well, I won't say out and out racism. There was obviously things going on, and it was a dominant group that wanted to, to dominate another group. Plain and simple. I mean, that's what's going on there. You've got you 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 have white settlers that are pushing Native Americans out because they want that land now. And not only do they push them out of Florida and South Carolina into Mississippi, um, Georgia and whatnot, then they said, well, no, no, now we want that land too. So they pushed them out into Oklahoma and farther west. You know, the, the Chickasaw Nation, which my, my, our school mascot is the Chickasaws. 
uh, right now they're headquartered in, and for that matter, the Cherokee Nation uh, is pretty much headquartered in Oklahoma. That's not well, where they're originally from. The Western Band. There's an Eastern Band of Cherokee and there's a Western Band. The Eastern Band of Cherokee, a lot of them actually stayed behind and kind of fled to the hills. And, but that's what I'm not. But that's what I'm getting at. They're, right. Oklahoma is not their native land. It's Whether not. That, that, that's what I'm getting at. Uh, right. The only reason there's a, a, a band of Cherokee in Oklahoma is because Jackson pushed them out. Well, and you got to think, who was dispersed from there for the Cherokee? Right. Natives um, before them. And, and this isn't the only time that that's ever happened because, um, in, you know, talking the Four Corners area, the Navajo had the basically the same thing happened to them. They were mm-hmm. forced off sure. their land to an area that was incredibly inhospitable. Mm-hmm. And, and still is. Yeah, yeah, well, they have, were able to come back. They're uh, basically... Well, in their um in their you know ancestral i mean it's considerably less right territory now um i had the opportunity i don't know if we talked about this or not i was doing an outdoor drama in farmington new mexico and um and it was about the anasazi but they were focusing on the navajo it was called anasazi which i don't quite understand but um and it was i mean i'm I'm sorry the show's not even running anymore anyone that was a part of it you know if i worked with you you are absolutely a joy but that show sucked (laughs) um it was it was a musical and you know it's about this mormon missionary who falls in love with well when he first meets the girl she's like eight Mm. and you know then he leaves and comes back and she's grown up and they get married and that that was an actual true story i was actually playing a real person i went out and visited uh the uh the individual's grave and stuff like that because i was trying to find some way to figure out how to portray this actor or this character because the script was written so poorly that I had <laughs> nothing to go off of. So um, the lady who wrote it um, said, well, let's go and talk to um, one of my relatives who knew him. And so he went out, uh, he lived out on the reservation and he had actually uh, survived the Bataan death march. Oh, wow. Jeez. And uh, we went out, and uh, I, I'd never been on uh, the Navajo Reservation before. Not a whole lot going on, um, no. at least where we were. He had built his own home in not uh, not like the traditional Hogan style that I remember, but it was kind of made sort of out of it like adobe. A lot of the people, um, not a lot, but there were the the parts that I looked at. You know, you had people that were living in traditional homes, uh, traditional like style homes out there. Right. And so I went out there to talk to him about it. And this was one of the most amazing things. Um, we walked around his, you know, uh, uh, like right outside of his house. And there were these circles of stone si- sticking up out of the, uh, the sand. And it was essentially uh, an unexcavated Anasazi ruin. Oh, wow. And this is the Navajo reservation, so it's not like you know the federal government's going to come in. Let's let's you know let's set up a you know a tourist center here and you know that kind of stuff. So I'm walking around on essentially untouched ruins, and we would walk around, and he'd just reach down and he'd see something and he'd dust it off, and it was a piece. It had the black and white, and I would imagine it was Anasazi. I don't think it was necessarily Navajo uh, traditional, but. Um, I think it was Anasazi pottery. 
and this broken piece of Anasazi, which, I mean, you're thinking the Anasazis essentially kind of quote unquote disappeared. Um, you know, they were in existence about 2000 years ago. And so this is right. you know, pre-Columbian and just, that was amazing to me, but um, it still didn't help me understand this guy at all, this character at all that I was playing. <laughs> But it was, I mean, as a as someone who is developing an interest in Native American history, that was an amazing um, experience. But um, but yeah, the same thing happened to the Navajo, you know, getting pushed off their land and being forced off. And it's, you know, land has always been very important to uh, Europeans, uh, especially the British and, of course, the Americans, because... Um, you know, land was, a, uh, was status mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. regardless, and it's, you know, it sucks looking back on it now that it was like, regardless of who's already on that land. And despite their, like with the Cherokee fighting against the Indian removal act, the fight, the fact that they are able to succeed in the rules that the American government sets up. And then you have the executive who's supposed to execute those laws, not wanting to, you know, maintain that separation of powers as Jackson with, you know, Marshall's decision. Um, You know, it's I guess you could say that, I mean, Jackson was kind of a favorite of his people, but was not. Uh, upholding the Constitution at all, and that's the original point that I made. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, he was a brilliant military leader. We've had other brilliant military leaders that have been, you know, uh, great executives of the United States. Um, he, you know, gave the people what they wanted, but you know, at whatever cost that may have been, and in a lot of times that was in breaking the Constitution and. So it was kind of like when one time uh, when Trump was honoring some of the Navajo code talkers, you know, about how, you know, the amazing (laughs) things they've done. And he did it in front of a portrait of Andrew Jackson. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, is there nobody, nobody on that staff? What intern needs to get fired for that? (laughs) Right, right. I (laughs) I mean, that's like, you know, here, you know, we're, um, we're, we're celebrating, you know, <laughs> Black Heritage Month in front of a portrait of Nathan Bedford Forrest. You know, I mean, it's like, I just, I don't know. I just, somebody, that I, I, it, it drives me crazy when people don't understand the history. We were, we were actually watching Bridgerton on Netflix, which mm-hmm. is, you know, I don't know if you guys have watched it yet, but there's a lot of buzz going on. Uh, social media about it so my wife was like well let's go ahead and watch it and they're they're taking a turn and i actually learned something about this because uh, they're taking it kind of in the hamilton way where you have now granted uh this is taking place in like 1813 um so you don't have the slavery issues in england but they're they're definitely trying to take this into the realm of like um hamilton with you Mm know uh kind of like a mixed cast, which is great. I mean, it's very well acted. But the Queen of England is played by, I believe it's an African-American actor. Oh, not Mm -hmm. African-American. She's British. Um, (laughs) uh, 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 African English? 
black? I don't know what I don't know how to say that. I don't black. know what the appropriate she's, term is. She's black. Uh, okay. Yeah, in, in, if, it, if she's not from, if her heritage isn't from Africa, then she's just black is fine. Okay. Well, so um, so she oh, plays. The, she plays Charlotte. She plays the Queen of England. And it's kind of like wow. And then at one point, you know, uh, there's a, a a conversation between these two characters where they're talking about how the King of England had sort of cast aside color and united everybody and brought, you know, people of color to the front by marrying, essentially, um, they uh, insinuated that uh, Queen Charlotte was black. And I'm like, I haven't heard that before. So I started doing (laughs) some research and lo and behold, there is some belief that she um, had some uh, mixed blood in her past and that, uh, there was a there's a portrait that was uh, drawn by someone who was known for being very, very articulate. And um, that says, you know, and some people are saying, no, I don't see any African-American features. And other people say that they do. Right. But I had never heard that before. And I didn't even realize that there was even some contention about that among scholars. But um, <laughs> again, it's, uh, you know, it's I, I learned something watching, you know. This soap opera, I guess, if you could call it that. And it is actually pretty good. We've actually binged it. It gets kind of racy there towards uh, the last few episodes. But um, um, I don't even know where I was going. I have no idea how far off the rails I got on that one. But anyway. Right. Break? <laughs> yeah. Why don't we uh, take a break and uh, come back and do the... Um, uh, the this week in history. All right, to break we go. Welcome back to the History Bros, everybody. Jason here, along with Jason Hatfield and Brian Geldmacher. It's time for this week in history. We're so excited to bring it to you with this uplifting music. We are going to make your day. Or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, let's. Uh, that was, let's... That was a nice, uh, nice right before the crescendo. That was, that was, uh, that was good. That yeah, was absolutely. complete luck because I didn't know exactly where that was coming in. So Nicely that's done. what she said. <sighs> <laughs> you can't say that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any, uh, any. Uh, Real commercials, do we? We're gonna no, do we don't. Commercial. We're gonna do this, and then we're gonna ask why we don't have sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> really? We're doing that? Sorry, sorry. As uh, Thomas Jefferson once said, "This is self-evident." I think. So, um... <laughs> yeah. So we used to have the anchor sponsorship, which was the de facto sponsorship you got. Well, when you stick around as long as we have, when you make, you know, like a hundred bucks or whatever it is, then they eventually just take that away from you because, you know, there's really nothing else. They let you stay on, you know, podcasting, but like they don't give you anything for it anymore. So, yeah, they're like, boy, these guys are just like, just, it's just nothing. It's just, just these nothing. Guys are the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just land the plane, guy. Land the plane. Oh, boy. Only if it's at a certain type of airport. <laughs> it's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. See, see, we yeah, breaking news. 
Although we did break news, was it our last show? Was was Jenna our last show? No, she wasn't. She was in the one before that, wasn't she? I don't know. I can't sure. remember. Anyway, Jen Epstein did break news, though. Remember? Did she? Yeah, she told us about the book she's got coming out. Oh, that's right. That's right. And so we told, we said we we're gonna have to have her back. You know what we should do is is we should have her and uh, Kevin Bryan on at the same time, and we could have dueling rangers, park rangers. Ooh. Well, how are they gonna? How how are you gonna tell when? I mean, how is that gonna work? I mean, oh yeah, they're, okay. They're five paces apart now. There's <laughs> no, 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 not no, 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 not like that. We could have like they're probably sitting here thinking, oh great, now I'm listening to this. Great, this is just yeah. That's what I was going for when I said yes to those yokels. Um, no, what we would do is we they we'd have a contest over who's got the best story to tell. And we'd have different categories of stories. Who's got the best? Oh my gosh, this could be awesome. Who's got the best historical story? Who's got the best happen to be now, in the right place now, at the right time talking, story? Are we talking about like personal story of history or like something that they've they've uncovered that's entertaining that happened to like, you know, like Jamonville, for example? Mm-hmm. Guys, I think we're onto something here, and they don't even realize that we've already volunteered them to do it. Okay, well, I'm glad you answered my question. <laughs> That's what I'm saying is, like, we need to, like, figure that out. Yeah, maybe we can have a competition. Maybe we That's can have, I'm like, saying. an online, hey, everybody submit. And uh, we could, you know, we could actually open it up to our listener. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could, but our listener, well, yeah, we could. Now, we do have some pretty regular listeners, and they know who they are because we, we actually get feedback from them uh, fairly we regularly. Thank the four of you so, so much. <laughs> I know. But in all seriousness, we, we usually get about 50 listens on the first day, and then it kind of tails off from there. At least for the first 15 minutes. <laughs> 50 <laughs> listens for the first 15 minutes. Right. So, I mean, w- w- there's definitely... Some people that are, I don't know, twisted enough to listen to us. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we're, we're still working on expanding. So anything you can, anyone wants to do with that, feel free. Like, share, uh, tell people online to please listen to us because they're desperate for attention. Oh, wait, that's just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway. Uh, no argument here. No we, argument yeah, here. I know. We, ne- we never did finish this idea of dueling uh, uh dueling uh park rangers hmm. i think this is something we should talk to our our park ranger friends and see if they'd be interested in i got a sneaking suspicion they might say hey that'd be kind of fun okay well let us know how that turns out kevin just just you can answer this right now through your through through the uh speakers in your car just go ahead and sit. no i'm just <laughs> anyway um he's not he's not listening right now he's too busy doing one of his own videos oh oh be nice we, we're trying to get him back on <laughs> we used to, we thought we had something kevin we thought we had something <laughs> All right, this week in history, things happened. Let's talk about them. You're up. You're the first one. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, January yeah. 9th, 1861. No, I don't think so. What? Did, what did I screw up this time? I had it right. January 9th, 1861. Yes, that's right. Okay. 
Three months before the official start of the American Civil War, cannon fire does minor damage to the Star of the West, a Union merchant ship sailing towards Fort Sumter, South Carolina, to deliver supplies. You guys been to Fort Sumter, right? I'd imagine you have been. I have not. I have not been to Fort Sumter. Oh. <clears throat> no. Geldmacher, you've been to Fort Sumter. Haven't you? No. Oh. No. Wow. No. Okay, never mind. Wait, are you no. try are you pulling <laughs> I guess it's just me. Are you pulling a rude? Sorry. No, no, no. No, no, no. I I, I am not at all. Oh. Um cuz that's I I have I went when I was with the Cub Scouts and then we that's the same time we spent the night on the USS Yorktown. Um, and then we went again. Uh, uh, question, question, question. Yes. Yes. Were there two USS Yorktowns, Yorktons? Uh, not there. In history. There, oh, um, well, I mean, there have been, you know, ships will sometimes have, you know, like one ship will, you know, then have their name kind of to like a newer ship. Like there's a, a submarine, for example, that's the USS North Carolina that incorporated some of the um, the the teak, the deck work into the actual ship, um, which I think is kind of neat. Because um, here's the reason why I ask. Um, there's the USS Yorktown that was a uh, aircraft carrier. Mm-hmm. And it sank in the Pacific, correct? Mm-hmm. Right, right, Brian. Sure, I'm pretty sure, and it was discovered by a guy by the name of Robert Ballard. Okay, I'm. Yeah. I can almost hear Roger Justice firing up his computer right now or to to, to type, and that's no, fine. You, okay, so, <clears throat> yeah, the Yorktown. Okay, hold on. So the USS Yorktown, the aircraft carrier, it is. Sitting USS Yorktown CV 10. Correct. Is uh, at Patriots Point. Yeah. It is not sunk. Um, not, but there re- is a Yorktown. She, a- re- she was renamed Yorktown while still under construction to commemorate the loss of USS Yorktown CV 5 during the Battle of Midway in ha. 1942. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was right. Here's my thing. Well, it was discovered. What? There's a, there's a, Yorktown was a Ticonderoga class cruiser in the Navy from 1984 to 2004. And there's so a Yorktown there's, there's that was CV5 that was sunk mm-hmm. in the Battle of, Mid, Battle of Midway? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was discovered by a guy by the name of Robert Ballard. Robert okay. Ballard is also the guy who found the Titanic and the Bismarck. And we are going to reach out and try to get him on this show. Uh, also, the uh, CV-10 was um, the recovery ship for the Apollo 8 oh. space mission. And it was used in the film Tora, Tora, Tora. Oh, nice. I've heard of that movie. I've even seen it. They uh, were requested to have it used once again in the filming of Pearl Harbor, and they laughed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, they, that, didn't, that didn't happen. All right. Well, there you go. There it is. January 4th, 1863, Union General Henry Halleck, by direction of President Abraham Lincoln, orders General Ulysses Grant to revoke his infamous General Order Number 11 that expelled Jews from his operational area in Tennessee, Kentucky, and Mississippi. Hmm. 
Did anybody do any research to figure out context to what this is all about? Uh, I can tell you because I looked it up. All right, I appreciate um, it. It was to stop an illicit trade of southern cotton, which Grant thought was being run mostly by people of Jewish descent. So, Really? Yeah, the uh, Jewish Virtual Library um, says in 1862, in the heat of the Civil War, General Ulysses S. Grant initiated one of the most blatant official episodes of anti-Semitism. In December right. of that year, Grant issued the infamous General Order Number 11, which is in yeah 62, which expelled all Jews from Kentucky, Tennessee, and Mississippi. The Jews as a class violating every regulation of trade established by the Treasury Department and also Department Orders are hereby expelled from the Department, the Department of Tennessee, and Administrative District um, uh, of the Union Army of Occupation composed of Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi within 24 hours from the receipt of this order. There you go. The immediate cause of the expulsion was the raging black market in southern cotton. Although enemies in war, the North and South remained dependent on each other economically. Northern textile mills needed southern cotton. The Union Army itself used southern cotton in its tents and uniforms, although the Union Military Command preferred an outright ban on trade. President Lincoln decided to allow limited trade in southern cotton. Uh, to control the trade, Lincoln insisted it be licensed by the Treasury Department and the Army as commander of the Department of Tennessee. Grant was charged with issuing trade licenses in his area. As cotton prices soared in the north, unlicensed traders bribed Union officers to allow them to buy southern cotton without a permit. As one exasperated correspondent told the Secretary of War, quote, every colonel, captain, or quartermaster is in a secret partnership with some operator in cotton. Every soldier dreams of adding a bale of cotton to his monthly pay, end quote. Huh. Huh. In the fall of 1862, Grant's headquarters were besieged by merchants seeking trade permits. When Grant's own father appeared one day seeking trade licenses for a group of Cincinnati merchants, some of whom were Jews, Grant's frustration overflowed. A handful of the illegal traders were Jews, although the great majority were not. In the emotional climate of the war zone, ancient prejudices flourished. The terms Jew, profiteer, speculator, and trader were employed interchangeably. Union Commanding General Henry W. Halleck linked traders and Jew peddlers. Grant shared Halleck's mentality, describing the Israelites as an intolerable nuisance. Wow. Man. In November 1862, convinced that the black market in cotton was organized, quote, mostly by Jews and other unprincipled traders, end quote, Grant ordered that, quote, no, no Jews are to be permitted to travel on the railroad southward into the Department of the Tennessee from any point, end quote, nor were there to be granted trade licenses when illegal trading continued. Grant issued number, order number 11 on December 17th, 1862. Sounds to me like wow. we might even be able to do a full episode on that. That's uh, like, holy cow. <laughs> I was not aware of that. This is, yeah, that's, ooh, boy. Yeah, the one in 1863, um, a general order uh, 11 in 1863 wasn't, um, wasn't controversial at all. Wasn't nearly as racist. No, there wasn't. It wasn't even a hint of racism in that one. So what you're saying is that they've got it wrong. It was actually 1862. 
No, yes. no, uh, well, no. Because this was re- it was repealed in January of '63. So. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I get what All you're good. saying. All right. Well, we got to continue on here because uh, uh, January seventh, nineteen fifty-three, in his final State of the Union address, President Harry Truman reveals that the U.S. has created the hydrogen bomb, a thermonuclear weapon vastly more powerful than the atomic bombs dropped on Japan. Way to go, blabbermouth! <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, and now everybody knows. Way to go, Harry. Yeah. Loose lips, sink ships, buddy. Where were you? <laughs> there were posters all over the place. <laughs> no, I have a uh, an acquaintance who's the grandson of uh, of Harry S. Truman, and he's uh, he's wow. an actor and goes around and has been doing like the one man performance of I think it's called Give Him Hell, Harry. And nice. uh, I reached out to him about, um, you know, I'm like, you know, saying, hey, I'm sure you're asked this a lot, but. And, you know, asked him about, you know, what his thoughts were concerning the, um, you know, Truman's, you know, what Truman felt about dropping the bomb and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I believe so. you told us last time that you're, the guy said that Truman would do it again today if he was asked again. Something along those lines. It's not, I mean, again, it's context. I mean, if you're thinking that sure. you're going to invade this country yeah. where people are going to die to the last man, then you're like, okay, well, then maybe they should die and not us. Right. So, um, so yeah, that makes still kind of morbid, but yeah, I get that. Oh, that, and that's why the president gets paid to make those kind of decisions. Cause it's not fun or easy, nor is it easy. All right. Uh, let's see. We've got more this week in history questions. Uh, let's see. January 4th, 1974. President Richard Nixon refuses to hand over tape recordings and documents that had been subpoenaed by the Senate Watergate Committee. Dun-dun-dun! Somebody's in trouble. You know, um, when I was uh, helping my mom clean out the house and stuff like that, she gave me a bunch of, like, my, like, baby stuff, and they actually kept the newspaper from the day I was born. Oh, wow. And uh, the entire newspaper, so... um, and it talks about, you know, people are starting to be interested in this Watergate thing. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> wow. Well, hold on to your hats. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's about hard. to get good. It's, 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 yeah, it's going to get a little worse before it gets better. <laughs> yeah, I forget. What's your birthday again? It's 74, but. No, it's 73. Oh, I'm sorry. I've given you credit. And it's in the summer. That's and that's all you need to know. That's fine. I'm sure you'll you'll Google it or I mean, do I'll some look sort it up of later and find and... out. I'll, yeah, I'll find out. <laughs> you know. Oh, and you were born at you know this hospital and it. So yeah. Well, I got your high school. Oh God, January sixth, nineteen ninety four, two days before the Olympic trials, an assailant strikes Nancy Kerrigan on her knee with a police baton. The attacker will later be identified as an associate of Kerrigan's rival, Tanya Harding. Wow. Why me? Why me? Why? I believe. Oh, wow. Wow. Look at you making fun of someone's pain. And then she goes back and finishes. She wins silver. I don't know. I was more, I'm more uh, taken aback by your, uh, 
the impersonation. Sorry. No, she ends up <laughs> finishing second. She wins the silver, and Tanya, I think, finished 10th. I, I, they've made a movie called about it called Tanya. Have you guys seen it? Uh, that's the one with, um, oh, goodness, what's her name? Margot Robbie. I've not seen that one, no. Me either. Um, no, I heard, um, I heard good things about it, but. Well, all right then. I, I, I was kind of hoping you had seen it, Hatfield, because you're kind of. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it, but, um, but I, you're, I, I, thought, you're, I, I, I thought I had heard some good things about it. You're um, our resident movie expert, so I kind of turned to you. Um, so I do remember this happening though. Cause I was like nine and I remember watching it because, well, not, I didn't watch it happen, but like, I remember, so that was the first Olympics I really paid attention to cause they were in Norway and I'm, you know, Norwegian. Sure. And so that was a big deal. And I remember my mom and dad or my mom, especially she, for whatever reason, she really liked to watch the figure skating stuff. I hated it. But anyway, that that one made it kind of, I won't say must-see TV, but it made it a little more interesting. It's like, oh, can Nancy come back from this? And then she comes back and gets the... It, the, was, a huge, it was a huge scandal. It was a oh, huge yeah. scandal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, because the whole thing was Tanya wanted in and didn't think she could beat Nancy and thought that she wouldn't be able to make the national team. She still made the national team, which I think maybe that was controversial too, if I'm going off of memory right. But then I remember my mom being upset that Nancy basically acted like, oh, whatever, you know, and kind of poo-pooed it. And she's like, well, after all that, she's not very nice. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I don't know. I don't know. Well, I did read somewhere that Tanya Harding's favorite book was Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. Oh, my gosh. Oh, dear Lord. <sighs> Was it too soon? Is it too soon? Okay. All right, so... January 4th, 2007, California Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi is unanimously chosen as the first female Speaker of the House by the newly sworn in Democratic majority. Okay. Uh, uh That's good. (laughs) I'm sorry. You know, I there we need to. I think both in the Senate and the House, you need to have some new leadership every so often. I think new ideas and uh, better practices of uh, bipartisanship could always uh, be helpful. I think you're probably right. I mean, both of their houses over the weekend were, uh, or last week, maybe towards last week, were uh, vandalized because... Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and apparently the one uh, that vandalized uh, Mitch McConnell's house did not have spell check. Because <laughs> instead of where's my money, it was where's my money. <laughs> yeah, you can't even say like where, like where's. Yeah, yes, right. That's, or where's not. That's not even correct because there was no, uh, there was no apostrophe. So. <laughs> but where's. Where is mail? Where is just a misspelled word? For right. the record, I am getting really <laughs> sick and tired of people going online having an argument and then can't spell anything accurately. Um, you know, oh. and we're having terrible grammar. I'm sorry. Oh, grammar doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It's, well, if the if the medium is in writing, then yes. You need to be able to write. It's kind of like if you're going to have, uh, if it's like if you're going to have a singing competition, it helps to be able to sing. Correct. Right. So well, and and I'm sorry if you're going to speak, you still have to have decent speaking grammar. You can't 
you know, I'm sorry, but like saying them guys or I seen that. No, no, it drives me insane. What's wrong? What's wrong with that? Well, I I, I get it. North Carolina, that's standard practice. But here's here's what my my students. (laughs) I'm sure you get the same question. Uh, Are you does spelling matter on this test, or are you checking spelling? Are you checking grammar? Um, well, I mean, it's not the number one thing. This is what I tell them. I said, you know, it's not the number one thing I'm after, but I'll tell you what, you want to be taken seriously on these things. Um, and, and you're looking to get the benefit of the doubt and whatnot. If you can't spell basic words correctly, like I understand if we're doing like onomatopoeia, which they'd never use that in one of my test answers. But, you know, if you can't spell something like that, I get it. Or if like you got the name is Frederick and you you've got the E and the I switched around, whatever, I can deal with that. But if 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 you can't spell basic words, all that does is makes it it doesn't make you look it it makes it look like you don't know much. And you want if you want to be taken seriously, yeah, you got to be able to spell some stuff correctly. That's fair. That's fair. So but- uh, no, you will see no. I mean, n- no disagreement here. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that it's, and what really upsets people the most. And there's, I've got. When I was in college, there's a way to fight dirty and a way to fight clean. You you and posted people, that. And I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, and people typically tend to fight dirty online, and um, I have found it more enjoyable when I'm debating somebody to keep them on task because Mm -hmm. that frustrates them more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the times when you're going to debate somebody, they really don't know as much about it as they think. They're just, you know for whatever reason so then you'll say you know they'll they'll post something or you'll say something and then they'll respond about you know you being stupid or something along those lines and i'm like okay that's an ad hominem but that doesn't address the the subject what would you like to say about the subject oh yeah just like when you guys were saying such and such i'm like okay well that's a what aboutism let's stay on the topic and then i mean literally since i've started that approach when i'm debating people usually within about four or five exchanges i get blocked right (laughs) well and and here's the problem uh people usually are getting their information off of a meme and and that information is is limited And, and that's where the phrase too much information not enough education comes in you know, then we know just enough to be dangerous. And so you say something and it gets shot down. And so you got nothing else. So a lot of times, and I see this with my students, especially it, it, they go bounce from one meme to the next to the next. And all they're doing is changing the subject. They're not you're like, well, I, I'm a good debater. No, you're good at changing the subject. <laughs> there was a, a, a picture that I used to post occasionally that would be like, um, And it was like, you know, oh, I see that you're, you know, uh, going to support this particular person. Uh, And it was like, it's like the little paperclip helper from Microsoft, you know. (laughs) And it says, would you like to, would you, would you like to me to disable spell check and uh, enable, (laughs) enable caps lock? Right. Oh, that's neat. (laughs) And it's, it's just the truth. It's kind of like, you know, seriously, do you really need to keep it? locked the entire time you know it's like are you really yelling the whole time is that right i don't understand but anyway uh anyway well gentlemen it's been good it's always fun to talk to you it's been two weeks i kind of yeah i did it it was not fun going on an entire week without getting a chance to jump on and and chew the fat with you guys even you have field (laughs) 
Eat what? You, it was nice. It was. It was nice. It was. It was. I mean, no, no, no. It was. It was nice to get on today. I mean, and oh, yeah. for us to yeah. talk, it wasn't. Um, but um, I was looking know. forward to it. So to what? I was looking forward to it. I get got a chance. Oh yeah, I got a chance oh, yeah. to talk no, to I, you. I, I, you know, I get to enjoy this. It's you know, it's a, it's a chew the fat with you, uh, with you fine young gentlemen. Well, and you know what's even better? I get to see see Geldmacher in a week or so. That's right. Hopefully next week. Otherwise, it might be the week after. Just depends on how quickly the uh, stuff gets done. Yeah, that's true. I guess. So, but either way, and we actually even considered doing the show sitting next to each other mm. with you somewhere Boy, wouldn't else. that be disappointing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not for, not for he or I, but just for everyone else involved. <laughs> Why, right. Oh, yeah. yeah. As soon as the, as soon as the, uh, the, uh, novelty of that wears off, it's just another. It's just, just another, another podcast. podcast. Yeah. Be- podcast. <laughs> <laughs> More of the same old crap. more awkward starts and terrible finishes right (laughs) or is it the other way around terrible starts Uh, and awkward finishes either way yeah Yeah. to one half dozen of the other really it's the you know know, 16 to one and half a dozen of the other yes that's correct (laughs) (laughs) sounds about right all right. Well, folks, uh, I, we hope you had a Merry Christmas or a Happy Holiday or a, a Good New Year. Uh, we hope that your 2021 is starting better than your 2020. Well, nah, any, any nah, point. Don't talk about it. It's like, <laughs> it's like Fight Club. Don't talk about it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you're right. I, I faux pod. What can I say? Uh, but I, we hope that your year is going well. God, you've got radio station and now you've got another podcast. What? I do have another podcast out. The faux pod? Yeah, I don't have the faux pod out. I do have another podcast out, though. And I'm actually looking at starting a third one. Look at you. And and what might the third one be? Well, the the second one is just the 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 sports show that I do on uh, ninety five one the bull called the Sports Zone with Rudy and Bob. Um, mm-hmm. That we, we're we're putting it out on on Anchor and just nice. putting it so that people can listen to old episodes. So it airs live on uh, second and fourth Monday of the month, and then it comes out a couple days after that. And so you can you can tune in and listen if you want. Are you still doing the podcast with your wife? No, nah, we one? haven't done squat with that for a long time. So yeah. oh, okay. I can't get her to talk anymore. I mean, oh, she's got – and here's the stupid thing. She's got really good stories and a lot of fun things to talk about. But to get her sat down and, and convinced that, hey, let's, let's, let's podcast – has been difficult. And of course she's going to hear this or someone's going to hear this and tell her about this and say, that's not true. And it's probably not, but whatever. No, the, I got a third podcast. I do want to start though. And it's called pyro talk. Oh boy. But I haven't done it yet, but no. so if you listen to it, will you be inclined to wet the bed? No. Why would I wet the bed? Pyro talk. Isn't that like when you play with fire, you, pee your bed at night or something like that no i, I don't pee the bed. maybe that maybe that was just like something to get kids to not to play with fire i don't know maybe oh that <laughs> could be right. but this would be it would be a fireworks podcast God, all this time i could have been playing with fire i know <laughs> i know all this time anyway just, uh so gullible uh awkward endings what can i say Awkward endings. What can I say? You can say awkward endings. You can say it, say it a third time. It'll make it better. Awkward endings. 
What can I say? <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for turning in again, uh, tuning in again for our uh, first podcast of 2021. <laughs> and uh, we look forward to uh, another awkward year of uh, subpar podcasting. <laughs> No, 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 we got some cool guests lined up, and they're going to. Oh us. yeah, I we've we were going to have some. Hopefully, we're going to have some amazing guests coming up. So exactly, uh, yeah, I'm very excited. We're, about that. we're talking like moonshining and maybe shipwrecks, and uh, sounds like maybe, maybe some Pearl Harbor, the Pentagon, maybe maybe the Ooh. Pentagon, maybe the Marine Corps, maybe Pearl Harbor. Sounds like maybe Lincoln Summer Cottage. Uh, yeah, we're we're gonna we're, we we might be painting the skies with. I don't know what we paint this guy. I don't know what we'd be paint uh, with the colors of the wind. Didn't you watch? Didn't you watch? Uh, I, uh, I refer to Pocahontas. Uh, Geldmacher. That's my Pocahontas, um, right? Aficionado. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. Okay, so for the history bros, my name is Jason Rude, joined by Jason Hatfield and Brian Geldmacher in whatever order you want us to be. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Yep. Peace out. Deuces.